So now the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about the Chicago migrant crisis because things are really developing and these stories are coming so quick, but I tried to get to the ones that I think that would really be interesting y'all. So you know that, you know, Chicago's experiencing a migrant crisis um, of epic proportions. A lot of the residents are upset about this because their tax dollars is going to people who didn't work, you know, for those tax dollars. Uh, they didn't, uh, pay into the system themselves. They didn't vote for any of the politicians, but yet they're taking advantage, you know, of, uh, all the tax dollars while citizens aren't getting anything. And people of all communities are upset about this in unison. And the Democrats in Chicago really trying to stick to their guns on this issue, but is falling by the wayside. Brandon Johnson, is just trying to toe the line because he knows if he speak against this situation, he may end up like uh, Mayor Eric Adams, who's having a problem now. All of a sudden, after he spoke out against, you know, the migrants in New York City, he said he was going to destroy the city as they know it, and he was speaking against, you know, Biden. And all of a sudden, now he has a problem. Um, so, Mayor Johnson is just really um, in a interesting situation. But let's get into you know, the media we'll be talking about tonight. So we know Chicago is a place that the winters are harsh. They truly have four seasons out of the year. Unlike in Houston that we don't have four seasons. And now because the winters are getting harsh and some of the migrants are living on the streets. And I got to see that myself when I went to Chicago uh, a month or so ago. So now since the weather is coming, now the migrants are starting to think twice. So let's get into this. He says, Chicago, they say, has become unpleasant that migrants are fleeing back to Venezuela after being dumped in shelters and refused better paying jobs. Since August of last year, 20,700 migrants have arrived in Chicago from Texas and say the Lone Star State's Governor Greg Abbott sent migrants to Chicago and other Democrat-run cities because of their proud status in sanctuary cities. They say they offer enhanced protection against detention or deportation for undocumented migrants. Now Illinois' harsh winters, lack of migrant infrastructure, and ambulant support from locals has made many people who undertook the harsh U.S.-Mexico border journey actually turn around and go back home. Now let's, let's focus on that last part. Basically, people not supporting them. So what we're seeing is a key component to open borders is support by the citizens of the United States. So what we're seeing in Chicago, now Chicago is actually a great case study. So if all the citizens in unison, no matter what community you come from, say, Hey, we as a city don't want this. Do you see how things start turning around? See, these politicians is going to need you to vote for them when the election season come up. This is why I tell anyone who listened to me, be registered to vote always be registered to vote. I tell anyone who listened to me to have a driver's license. I tell anyone who listened to me to have a passport, have all of them. If you want to go further with the passport situation, get your global entry card or you get your TSA pre-check and your global entry together for five years, get you a clear membership. That way you can bypass all the lines and they take you directly. It's a VIP service. Literally they take you right up front to the TSA pre-check, right? So have all of that. It is handy. Even if you are flying domestically, that clear membership is awesome. 
But when people are in unison together, you see what starts to happen. Now the migrants are saying, nah, I think we need to go on back to Venezuela and go ahead on and and fight in our homeland. Now, Venezuela-born Michael Castellan, 39 years old, and his family have been sleeping on the floors of police stations and shelters after he could not afford to pay rent in Chicago because his work permit was taking so long to arrive. And so the family was renting an apartment through a city voucher program that gives up to $15,000 for up to six months of rental assistance. But once it ran out, they had to give up their living space. Now listen to that. The city of Chicago, Chicago residents who could be listening. And some of you do Brandon Johnson and them gave this man and his family $15,000 for rental assistance for up to six months. And when it ran out, he basically had to leave. Now, many of you in the city of Chicago who actually pay taxes, that's a slap in the face to the taxpayer. The people in Chicago, all people should be telling Brandon Johnson, Hey man, where's my $15,000 check? I need that because if you gave it to them, we need that. We've been paying taxes in the city ever since we've been born and you giving our tax dollars to them. No, that's not right. That's not right at all. That's not fair. And nobody voted for you to do that because you know, people say you get what you vote for, but nobody that voted for Brandon Johnson in their mind would think Brandon Johnson and them would have a program where they're giving $15,000 to migrants. Nobody, I, nobody voted for that. We got to be real with that conversation and say you get what you vote for. Because if they would have told them, hey, guys, uh, if you get me in office, I'm going to give $15,000 to migrants so they can stay six months. You still want to vote for me? Most people say, hell no. So, no, you don't fully get what you vote for when it comes to this situation. Yes, I know what you mean by you get what you vote for with the uh, policy of open borders. I get that. But that situation, nobody could have fathomed that. But now, you know, voters, now, you know, if they support open borders, then you know what comes now, you know, what comes along with it. They say the dad found a job in construction and he was getting paid in cash. They say, but it wasn't enough to sustain his family since they arrived in June. They say, after five months of rough living, they say with no end in sight, the family decided to pack up their belongings and return to South America, realizing there's nothing here for us. Castle John said the failed journey to settle in the U.S. had not been worth it. Despite the extreme poverty and authoritarian regime they were living under in Venezuela. And I say after months of begging for money and crossing borders, the dreams that he had heard of from other migrants had failed to materialize for him, he revealed. Now, Michael Castellan, 39, has said to the media, the American dream doesn't exist anymore. There's nothing here for us. We didn't know things would be this hard. I thought the process was faster, he said, about the job permit situation in Chicago. So what he just said about the American dream, and he couldn't get it, and it basically the American dream is dead. Um, it's been dead for the citizens. And now you may say, Phil, what do you mean by the American dream is dead? The American dream used to be you can have one income, right? You have your wife. You buy that home. Buy a home, not an apartment, You buy a house for you and your wife. You have children. Your wife gets to stay home and take care of your children. You go out to work. You provide uh, now to pay all the bills as a man, all the bills of the house you pay for. You provide both cars. 
for you and your wife. You put clothes on your back for your family. You feed everybody, feed the dog and anything else that you need. When your children get of age, you can send them to college off one income, not two, one. Look fast forward to 2023. People can't even get a one bedroom apartment anymore. Grown children can't even move out the the parents' house. At one point, listen, when I was uh, uh, 17, 18, 19, and when you would be in your house, especially as a man, you'd be looked at as a scrub. You couldn't get no girl to date you if you wanted to. If you told them, they asked, where you, where you stay? I live with my mama. Your mama? Oh, no. Uh-uh. You stay at the house your parents. I'm not dating you. They, they would look down on you. So that would even incentivize a lot of guys. So go ahead and get them a spot. But I remember you can do that. Apartments. I remember it growing up. Apartments used to be four, five, six hundred dollars. If you had bad credit, you just had to pay a deposit. Now the deposit may be, you know, okay. Application fee, $25. Let's say apartment $400. If you have bad credit, your d- deposit got to be the same $400. If you had good credit, you pay no deposit. If you catch on a moving special and you got good credit, just pay your application fee, first month rent, and you moved in. You could afford that. Now what they're doing is that you take a, a 21, 22, 23 year old, have them say to, to that child, at least in my eyes, that kid, cause I got children that age. $1,700 a month. Oh, on top, on top of the 1700, you got to make three times the rent to me that right there was the ruining of people actually renting a, a, a apartments three times the rent. What 22 or 23 year old may listen. Some grown people don't make three times the rent in America. Then let's go about buying a home. Barack Obama Cause I remember when he did it, Barack Obama ruined how to get home after the banks is the one that caused the, the crash in 2008. Instead of him going after the banks, he made it harder on the people prior to the crash. I had got a home and all I paid was $500 down. The home was already built to sit on the market. They paid the closing costs. I even get my $500 back. People, black people was getting a lot of homes before that crash. After the rules Obama put in, you had to have three and a half percent down. Your credit score had to be, you know, what, at least what, 620, 630 or whatever. It's not even about the credit score. Some people just don't, don't have that three and a half percent down. Some people, we're talking about the FHA loan, get, you know, fixed rate loan. So that started making it harder for people because they may not have the ability to save up three and a half percent. Now, some people can, some people can't, right? So it started making it much more stringent with, with, with the banks, even getting these loans, make it much harder than what it was prior to 2008. So between the apartments, three times the rent, the rules in them Obama them put in after 2008, the American dream is, is just about dead. Now, if you, you can still get your American dream, but you got to make good money or you got to have two incomes. When the American dream used to be the man works, he, he provides everything and got a house 
You could take vacation, do everything off of that one man's income. So yes, the American dream been dead for the U S citizen. Why do you think he was going to waltz in here and get it? Now the guy continued to say how many more months of living in the streets will it take? Like I told y'all earlier, I seen migrants on the streets when I went to Chicago, he said, no, no more. He said, it's better that I leave. He said, at least I have my mother back home. He continues to say, we just want to be home. If we're going to be sleeping in the streets here, he said, we'd rather be sleeping in the streets over there. Is a Castle John's stepdaughter, Andrea Carolina Savila. It said, could not find a school to be enrolled in. They say when they arrived in the U.S., despite one of the reasons they left their native home was to give her a better education. He is not the only migrant in Chicago who is realizing that the reality of asylum seeking is not what they had imagined. Say Chicago's cold weather is creeping up and many migrants still sleeping on the streets are forced to lay on wet, cold mattresses. Let me tell you something. I don't wish that on nobody. A wet and cold mattress. Let me tell you one of my most miserable days. Well, it was two of them, but one of my most miserable nights, I'm going to say at work, I was still a tankerman at the time. I was tankering barges and I was tankering a barge at Exxon mobile Baytown to, you know, Texas, that plant. And I was uh, doing an oil barge and it was rain. It started raining all night and it was, it dropped down to about 26 degrees. So even though you're trying to stay, you know, dry as possible, it's just no way you end up just getting wet anyway. So my clothes was wet. You know, when you get so wet that, that your socks is wet. Now I'm in 26 degree temperature, right? And I'm trying to stay warm. And that was the most miserable thing I ever experienced on the job my whole freaking life. Well, at least one of the most experienced thing. So you out there on a wet mattress and these people got children. Okay. These children out here, they, they bring their little small kids with them on a wet, cold mattress in Chicago winter. But yet in their homeland, it don't get cold like that. So they, 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 they really put themselves in a pickle coming up here. So I, I mean, I, I feel for them. I really, I genuinely feel for them for being in there. I would wish that on nobody. Now I say the city is also notorious to say for violent crime and migrants forced to sleep in public more vulnerable to attack than most. They say at least 40 people in the last month have left Chicago's first district station to either move back home or elsewhere in the States with the help of Catholic charities of Chicago. Now I got a question. Catholic charities of Chicago, you helping them move to other elsewhere in the States. They're here. You know, they don't have a work permit. don't have anything. Wouldn't it be a form of human smuggling or, or illegal alien smuggling? You moving them elsewhere in the States. I'm not saying feeding them, giving them blankets or even letting them be in the church so they can stay warm. I'm not saying that I'm saying you moving them to other places. Hmm, that's interesting. Now I say, according to I say the reports, it said migrants and say eat standing up and have to rub their hands together to keep warm because of lack of facilities. And say Brian Lozano, head of the volunteer group of the police station response team, said the word of the situation in Chicago is beginning to spread. Say Lozano said the city's resources have been exhausted and the resettlement program now cannot take the strain of the number of migrants flooding in. It's another migrant. Jose Nor, 22 years old, 
was forced to sleep in a police station in Chicago for two weeks before deciding to travel back to Texas. And he'd moved to the Windy City to see the hype for himself, but soon realized it was not better. Now, Diana Vera, uh, who moved to Chicago with her three children and daughter-in-law, three whole children, wow, and a daughter-in-law, and they have also decided to quit the city and say for better opportunities elsewhere. They say they've been living on the floor in a police station for about a month. Now, I say they was boarding a bus to Detroit. Uh-oh, Detroit. They're coming your way. Brothers and sisters in Detroit, this is warning you ahead of time. Vera said, they said, we heard that there are a lot of jobs over there, even if you don't have a permit. So Detroit, the migrant crisis is coming to you. They say this comes, they say, at a fraud time, they say, for Chicago and its residents. They say, furious protests stormed the Chicago City Council meeting last week during a debate about whether the city should remain a sanctuary city for migrants. They say the meeting was called after Ninth Ward Alderman Anthony Bill, who oversees the district in the predominantly black South Side, proposed an advisory referendum that would ask voters during the March primary of Chicago should keep its sanctuary city status. Now, progressives in Chicago are outraged that a move to end Chicago's status as a sanctuary city is even being considered on the ballot. Well, you progressives, you're anti democracy. Let me tell you why. In a democracy, and you claim that we need to save democracy, right? Don't you say that? That we don't need Trump because we need to vote Democrats because we need to save democracy? Well, that's not saving democracy. Democracy means everybody has a voice. If anyone is trying to prevent somebody from voting and having a voice in their own city, you're anti-democratic, period. Why don't you want the citizens to have a voice? If the citizens go and vote and say no on sanctuary city, that's what they want. If they vote, yes, that's what they want. Let the citizens have a voice. Anyone who don't want that on the ballot, you are anti-American. Let's call it what it is. You so-called progressives in Chicago. Now let's continue and say, but many of the city's residents, including large numbers and say of those who are themselves it's a ethnic minorities, whatever that means, which means non-white are keen to end the windy city's sanctuary city status. Yes. And, and, and I seen the video itself and I said, I want to do a video on that one. The immigrants who've been here, who don't have no papers, don't have nothing are mad about the new ones coming here. And they're mad because they say they getting the jump the line. They getting all the help. Why they didn't get nothing. They said they had to work for everything they got. Right. So it's just an interesting dynamic. So many residents expressed frustration about the millions of dollars the city was spending on migrant shelters instead of Chicago's most impoverished communities. As of September, there were about 20 active migrant shelters in the city. Seven were located on historically underserved South and West sides. In other words, in the black areas and said more than 20,000 migrants have touched down in Chicago since last year and said, while most hail from Venezuela, it said they come from all over the world, including it say the African continent, uh, the European uh, continent, and also the Middle East. It said the city has allocated four million to help migrants find temporary housing. The state has contributed another thirty-eight million. Now, since August twenty twenty-two, Chicago has opened its doors to tens of thousands of migrants sent by Abbott and non-government organizations in states such as Colorado and New York. It said the majority are seeking asylum due to U.S. foreign policy has created unstable economic and political conditions compromising their safety and forcing them to travel thousands of miles to safety. They say it also adds U S cities have not traditionally had the infrastructure to resettle high number of immigrants. 
and refugees and said this is a federal responsibility. Well, most of our cities aren't built that way to, to take on people like that. It's not. The fact is you need to stay in your homeland and you need to fight. Or if you're going to leave, go to a, a country that's neighboring your homeland. If your homeland gets you know, good again, you go return back to your homeland. I understand U.S. foreign policy and, and what's happening with Venezuela. Trust me, I understand. But a lot of them don't want to be in Latin America because they couldn't get free stuff. You understand? So they heard, well, look, you can get free stuff. And the, the first person that we was talking about, him and his family did get free stuff for six months. That's why they keep coming. Oh, I can get free stuff. And some of them are getting it. Some of them. But it is offensive to the taxpayer because they're paying it. They're not getting anything in their neighborhoods. You're taking away uh, uh, people's field house. You taking you want to put uh, was it Brighton Park? That's what, what the Asians and Latinos was, was mad at about putting a camp of, of them over there. They were pissed and mad about that. Even in New York, shoot, Staten Island was pissed. They were trying to block the buses from coming over there. Because Eric Adams say, hey, this migrant crisis is coming to a neighborhood near you. He told you that. But, it all, but, but trust me, I'm going to keep repeating this. I know someone personally who work on the border. I asked them, how is it, is it was better under Trump or Biden? He said, Trump, he said, because Trump kept them Mexico. He said, we did not have the problems that we have now. He said, the moment Trump got out of office, Biden got in office, he said, whoop floodgates open and they just start coming in overwhelming our border patrol personnel. Think about it. All these people are coming across. We're not really dealing with them like that. Like the border patrol agents are, they're being overwhelmed and they got to deal with the cartel members trafficking these people in. Some of these people are trafficking drugs in for the cartels. It's all kinds of things that our border patrol uh, is dealing with. And nobody talk, really talks about what the border patrol is dealing with. Some of them get hurt. Some of them have lost their lives out there trying to protect the border, which in my opinion, if I, if I had to be the president, I'll put the military on the border and say, nobody coming in here. I said, we are, we are suspending our asylum laws. No, no, no asylum. You, you go somewhere else. You want, you want to go somewhere? You can go to Canada. Okay. You, you can't come here. We, we need to figure some things out here in the United States of America. We got to figure that out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now it was interesting because Trump told a story about when all the people kept coming from, he said El Salvador and he said that, well, how much money did we give El Salvador? I think they said 73 million. And he said, okay, well, if they don't stop bringing their people up here uh, to our country, then we're going to just stop paying them. And he said, he cut it off. He said the next day the president called and said, Hey, what's going on? You, you cut off the aid. He said, Yeah, because you won't take your people back when we, we deport them. And so all of a sudden they said they start taking them back. So, okay, if that works, then that's what they need to do. So, okay, y'all won't take your people back or you send them up here. We're not going to pay you anything. You see, it couldn't be me because I'd be cutting off all the foreign aid. I said, um, No, no foreign aid until the citizens of the United States get right. I said, We got to work on a new deal, right? A lot like, uh, uh, FDR. We got, we, we got, we got to do that in modern times because <laughs> American citizens, you know, they need help and, and we can't help, you know, the American people 
by giving all this money to all these foreign countries. I mean, shoot, if anything, these foreign countries owe America. They owe America so much because America keep them papered up. If you go to foreignassistance.gov, you can see how much money that's being given. And like I said, you know, I've done that before, but we can do a whole podcast just on foreignassistance.gov and you can see exactly where all your tax dollars is going. And it don't matter if it's Democrat or Republican there. It don't matter. They all do it. But why the American people don't say, hey, enough is enough. Well, you imagine all the millions of dollars that could be put right in our country, in your local communities, and fixing the issues here. You know what I'm saying? But let me know what y'all think, you know, ladies and gentlemen, about, you know, the migrants saying they're going to go back home. You know, see, a place like Chicago with brutal weather, you know, Detroit got brutal weather. Yeah, that's a deterrent. But places like here in Texas, we don't really have brutal weather like that. It comes in waves at times, but it's not like Chicago. It can be constant. So that's going to kind of save them from the migrant crisis, at least during the winter months. But after the winter months, you know, hey, they may start coming back again. But we definitely going to keep an eye on this story.